I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley Knows Best. It's gonna be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. All right, you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown, the podcast that looks at the stats, XG and performance of Celtic FC. We have a return to league football this weekend as Celtic take on Livingston at three o'clock on Saturday. And we're looking ahead to that game with Juco James and Alan Morrison. Livingston are, of course, fifth in the table with 44 points. They've got 40 goals scored and 41 scored against them. Alan, when you're looking at a team like Livingston, do they deserve to be in fifth, in the top split, are they good enough to be there? Yeah, I think their position in the league is really off the back of an incredible run they had uh, between beginning of December and the beginning of February. Uh, they had 11 league games, they won eight, they drew three, as well as getting to um, a League Cup final, which uh, they, they lost to St. Johnson, who are probably the arguably the form team actually in the league um, but the, their their form started to tail off just a little bit before they played that League Cup final against St Johnson uh, and they actually went you know um, six games without a win uh, just before the, the Cup final and after but they've picked up a little bit in the last two games with a, a draw against Hibs and a home win against Hamilton so they've kind of recovered slightly so they just kind of clung on to that uh, that top six place but that, as I say that that, mid, that sort of December, January form was absolutely uh, incredible. One thing um, to, to note about Livingston is they're, they're probably there are two teams that are significantly overperforming in terms of expected goals for. Uh, one of them is uh, the Rangers, who've, believe it or not, actually, you know, their expected goals is less than Celtics, <laughs> and yet they've scored 78. They're massively outperforming their expected goals. And the other one is Livingston, who uh, would have expected to have scored, say, 35. They've actually scored 40. And if you look at that, um, they've actually got those same two teams, the Rangers and Livingston, um, are the only two teams in the league that have that are converting um, 40% of their on-target shots. So <laughs> incredibly effect, efficient in terms of 
once they get a shot on target, it's, it tends to you know go in much more than the rest of the league. So the rest of the league, to put it into context, are all in the in the low thirties. You know, Celtic are thirty two percent, for example. So forty percent, thirty two percent of uh, on target shots going in is a pretty mm-hmm. big differential. And as I say, I- the, the Rangers and Livingston are way out in front on those on that metric. Can I just interrupt you there and ask, because one thing that is interesting about these metrics is there are two sides that you should be worried about, a side that's underperforming on their XG, because overall that means that they're, you know, they're getting chances, but they're not taking them. Should You should be worried about a side that's massively outperforming their XG as well, though, because that means they're scoring more chances from probably positions where they wouldn't likely, like in a long-term basis, convert those chances. Am I right in saying that, or am I wrong? Yeah, and and, and the causality for that is is not obvious to to say. Some of it is. I mean, a lot of people say it, and and in the stats community, let's be honest here, football is a game where luck has a, a massively uh, disproportionate impact on it, on the outcome because it is so low scoring. So you you can just get lucky over a period, and and that that tends to ex- probably explain a lot of this kind of variability. Um, Obviously, I think with the Rangers, you know, you, you are looking at a team that's probably got better strikers than than the rest of the league. Therefore, that could explain a lot of their variability. I would be surprised if quality explains Livingston's variability because if you look at their uh, their squad, they've actually had seventeen different <laughs> different scorers in the league, uh, forty goals, but seventeen different scorers. Um, and, you know, Pittman's the top scorer with six, and I don't think anyone would argue that he's a a top class striker. So they've probably just had a good season in terms of, you know, they've, they've, um, you know, the the things have gone in for them because again, the way that they play will be really majoring on trying to create chances off set pieces and set piece chances, which are often headers uh, in very crowded uh, penalty boxes tend to be quite low, low probability chances. So things, I would say things are probably running, running for them because they've actually had, the third lowest number of shots in the league. They've only had on target, they've only had 98 shots on target in the league. To put that into context, Celtic have had 216, mm-hmm. but yet 40% of them have gone, have gone in. Um, an incredibly so, efficient side, really. So, so they've been very efficient and stroke lucky because if you're scoring headers from free kicks and corners and things, which is probably quite a lot where a lot of their goals come from, I mean, Guthrie's their second top score with five, and he's got two assists, then there's a, yes, there's some, there's some um, organisation going into that and there's some uh, emphasis in terms of the way they play going into that, absolutely. But also you need a bit of luck as well. On the other side of the coin, they've conceded 41. Um, and again, they're, they're, on, they're, on the, they're on the positive side of, of uh, variability on that one. They would have expected to have conceded 44, they've conceded 41. So they're having a good season. Things are working out mm. quite well for Livingston this season. Not as well as Celtic. I mean, this, this might shock people, but Celtic have actually only conceded 24, but expected goals and model says they should have conceded 33. <laughs> so that's how bad we've been this season. So, uh, yeah, a, a team who... And this is this is where stats can be interesting. Um, they've actually got one of the highest rates of conversion against them. So, thirteen percent of all shots against Livingston have gone in, which is equal equally the the worst in the league. Um, mm. Even though they're only even though they're, they're actually quite efficient at stopping shots, they're on, they're actually eighth in the league at um, in terms of volume of sh- total volume of shots against them. So they're quite effective at stopping you getting shots in. It's just that they, 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 when they do go uh, get shots in against Livingston. As I say, 30% of the time they are going in, which is quite high for for the league. 
James, you do a lot of benchmarking going into this side, these sort of games. So in terms of Livingston, obviously we've played them a couple of times already this year, but their style of play, it's very defined this year and has been for a couple of years. Yeah, I, uh, analytically, I mean, I, I don't like watching them. Analytically, I love looking at them um, because they're such an outlier. And I believe it was, uh, I think it was Dougie Wright, who is pretty well known within the um, Scottish football uh, analytics community who worked at Livingston and uh, I believe just recently joined um, Manchester city in their analytics department. So that gives you an idea of, you know, that that's kind of like, you know, (laughs) a Livingston player getting up into the premier league uh, relatively speaking. So obviously a pretty talented guy. And if I look at how they play and kind of benchmarking what they do relative to other teams, it seems like a style of play that's engineered for their home pitch, which makes sense. I mean, that if I was an analyst, that's and I was engineering or you know running an optimization model for a, a club like Livingston, um, you know that would make sense to me. It's where most of their games are played. They're going to play at Hamilton as well, uh, and I think Hamilton's a good benchmark for them because of the obvious both on, on rubber pitches, but also Kilmarnock would be another. Um, I think the most flattering thing I can say about Livingston is that they have about one-third the wage bill as Hearts. And for them to be fifth in the table, and that's well-earned, as we've said, they, they're basically – they have a positive non-penalty XG differential. Uh, so that pretty close to what you show with the 40, 41 goals um, – mm. You know, it's right around there. So that, as Alan said, they've earned this. This is not some, you know, there's some variance built in there, but they they haven't fluked into this, and they basically pay their players about forty three grand a year. Um, so th- these are, you know, these are workman like players at that skill level is is not terribly high, but they get everything out of their players that they can, and I think it's interesting how they do that. So the first thing is that they're they're first in the league in long passes, and it's not even close. Like okay. they, they have uh, sixty, almost sixty-eight long passes per game. The second highest is uh, Kilmarnock, ten lower than that, and Celtic do thirty-seven. They average about thirty-seven long passes, and Celtic have the fewest rate rate per ninety um, in 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 the league. Uh, they have one of the highest intensity in pressing. So they they. You know, again, they don't have a lot of high skill level, but they press like crazy uh, for a team of their level. So uh, they're, they're, we talk about its passes per defensive action or PPDA. Uh, they're third behind Celtic and Rangers. And uh, they're also first in the league in what's called in, in Y Scouts called challenge intensity, which is basically like duels, tackles and inter- interceptions per minute in a game they're first even ahead of of Celtic and Rangers so uh the other thing is that they lose the ball a ton so they they have by far the highest rate they lose the ball about 130 times per game and uh, that's first as far as the number or you call it last depending on how you want to measure it um and interesting I think most interestingly is that uh they they are involved in the by far the highest number of aerial duels per game but they have the lowest win rate. So when I throw all this together, uh, and I also think about what Alan was talking about um, uh, relative to set pieces, and I'll get to that in a second, because it's very interesting there how they fall down or fall relative to the rest of the league. Uh, they play a lot of long balls 
to the opposition's back three or back four and then try to win second balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's pretty much what they try to do. We saw we saw that they targeted Taylor very specifically against yeah. us in, in I think back in uh, the fall. Um, yeah. And then I, I think what they've done adeptly inside the opposition box is not only in headers, they have some big guys like Guthrie that can score, um, but I think they're very good at designing set pieces in winning second balls. So they're actually third in XG per attempt in the league. Um, so they haven't had a lot of attempts, as Alan said. Uh, headers by themselves are not high quality generally, but mm. they're doing a good job at doing flick-ons and some of these other things where you know the training pitch design uh, to get high quality shots off of set pieces. I mean, that, that, kind of the second phase. Um, so again, that's something that you, that's coached, done on the training pitch, analyzed, um, you know, that's an area where more progressive analytics teams kind of in the first wave really focused on set pieces and how to design them and, and kind of identify weaknesses of oppositions. Um, so what's interesting relative to that is they are, um, I think third in the league, as far as the percentage of their XG that comes from set pieces, but they're also one of the worst in the league as far as um, sur- surrendering set piece um, uh, XG. So th- this is a very interesting matchup. I mean, I, generally speaking at home, we've handled them from an XG perspective pretty, pretty comfortably scoring three or four goals. Because again, if you think about how they play, it's not terribly well laid out against a team like Celtic at Celtic Park given the space, giving our possession, mm-hmm. our ability to pass around them. You know, if they're going to try and press us in that kind of space, you know, we could tear them apart. And generally speaking, we have. Um, yeah, it's so, a, it's definitely a game plan that's suited to a tight, you know, small, bumpy, dark, cold place to play for. Yeah, it's, it's and really, really well, to, com- yeah. to compete against everybody but Celtic and Rangers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. why, if, if you're if you're Livingston, why would you optimize how you play to try and perform well against Celtic and Rangers? I mean, that's silly. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're really engineered to stay up. I mean, that that's and that, that's how they should be optimized based off this, of what their wage bill is. This is it's to build on the points you made, uh, James. You know, in terms of you know, what do you do with a budget where you're paying players forty three grand a year? Um, what, what, how do you how do you compete? And and you know, some of the things you touched on there, you play a very direct game that nullifies a lot of skill because they're really you're just looking at physical competition then. And then if you're actually geared up to think, I don't really care whether you win the header or not. I know where I'm going to stand to maximise my opportunity to get the second ball. I think the number of recoveries they had against us in that 2-2 game was one of the highest that we've seen in the season, is anticipating that second ball. The other thing uh, you can you can do uh, in terms of, you know, you haven't got a lot of money to play with, you can't get the most skillful players, is fitness. Because, you know, you, you, you could get me, you could get me into a high level of fitness. It's, you know, it, you don't have to have a lot of skill to run around all day, right? So mm-hmm. if, you look at, if you look at them, it's quite interesting. Um, they, they have the, the least settled team in the league, okay? They make more changes to their lineup than any other side in the league. When, you've, when you don't have a lot of quality in the team, you can actually rotate like for like pretty straight, in a pretty straightforward way. You can keep people fresh and they make more changes than any other team in the league. And they use their subs well. And that's a, again, that's a tactical analytical thing. They, they tend to use their subs early if they have to and they'll, and they'll, freshen, they'll keep freshening things up 
in the areas, especially in midfield, where they need to. And if you actually look at their um, record in uh, in the league, it's incredible. They've only conceded five goals after the 60th minute in the SPFL this season. Now, that's remarkable because most, not most goals, but a high proportion of goals are scored late on in games, as you can imagine. Space opens up, teams are chasing games, uh, teams are more tired. They've only conceded five. Uh, you know, and, and actually their split of goals conceded is, t- is something like 24 first half versus, uh, you know, 14 second half. It's something like, you know, 60-40 almost. Uh, they only concede very few, relatively speaking, in the second half. So that all speaks to they rotate their squad well. They must be, um, I'm guessing they must be analysing the players' um, physical conditioning quite well and using that information to inform their team selection because he does like to change it up a lot. Um, and and and, and there's, those are ways that you can absolutely maximise the effectiveness of a squad when you're on a tight budget. That makes complete yeah. sense. And it's something that you have to do. And let's talk about Celtic then, because it's been a while since Celtic have played a league game, and that was the the draw against Rangers. In terms of the opposition, talking about Livingston, there, obviously they they like to play long balls and hope to get the second ball. So that would Firstly, worry me about Welsh if he's starting at centre-back because obviously we know that he's not great early and the pressure that they're obviously going to try put on Christopher Iyer coming out and nullify that form of attack from Celtic. Is there a feeling that maybe, you know, if Celtic are able to get up to the pace of the game early that they can put the game to bed quite early and not worry about that too much? Or are we thinking that this might be another Dundee United slow start, slow finish sort of performance from Celtic? Yeah, my, my guess is that this is the kind of game where um, Kennedy's influence on the margins, again, I think we talked about that um, yesterday, that maybe he's been a little more culpable than uh, we had hoped maybe. Um, but I think on the margin, the, his, his preferred style of play leans towards Rodgers' Vintage Rodgers at Celtic, possession heavy. And I think uh, particularly because it's at, at home um, that I would think our quality and our ability to really attack them and, and nullify their pressing um, should on the margin help us. And, and I, I would be less concerned as a result because of how we're playing under Kennedy vis-a-vis the more direct style where we'd be more vulnerable in transitions and, you know, some of these issues that we've talked about with Brown and um, in the midfield that, that have been persistent within that context. Um, so to your point, and I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, uh, the Dundee try to play a more traditional progressive style, possession centric, you know, they're kind of like Ross County in that sense, they, they, or, or Ireland, you know, as we've talked about on, on other shows, uh, you know, m- maybe not with the skill level, and, but still trying to play a possession heavy, heavy style and pressing uh, in that context. So I think Livingston's more kind of, you know, um, direct relative to what their capabilities are mm-hmm. and, and so I, I, this should be a good matchup for Celtic, I'm thinking. But again, you know, as we always say, the, and I phrase it the variance monster, you know, uh, you know, we're due to have a game at some point where we have a good day shooting. <laughs> um, so th- this could easily be a really rough matchup for for Livingston if we have some positive variance relative to finishing. You know, so mm-hmm. I'd like to see Ellie Nussi play with, with Edward. I think that was one of the positive things that we saw. Um, was their relationship and how they actually seem to have a more coherent plan relative to each other 
playing against Rangers, which hadn't been the case prior. Um, so if those two play up top in the four four two diamond, the diamond would be nice because it'll give a little bit more protection in the second balls in the midfield. Uh, keep Brown central, more disciplined to help. You know, he could really mop up. Like this is a perfect game for him to play in the Rogers style of Brown, where he's literally just sitting in front of the back, you know, two center backs and mopping up because there's probably going to be a lot to mop up. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he, he won't have to go chasing too often because the ball won't be coming into those channels. It'll be going going quite long the whole time. So it it actually should suit Brown this game. Um, exactly. Alan, where do, you, where do you think this game is going to be won and lost for Celtic in terms of uh, possession? It seems like Celtic should have quite a lot of it. So in my mind, getting the likes of you know David Turnbull on the ball, Cal McGregor on the ball, getting forward, and then like Alan said, El Unisi running the challenge or. Uh, El Yunusi working in tandem with um, Eduard up front, running the channels and getting the ball in behind. That's that seems to me like the sensible thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's t- yeah, absolutely agree. So, I mean, they they have a relatively let's call it workmanlike, as you'd expect, midfield. Uh, you know, the likes of Bartley, Holt, Pittman. You know, there, these, there's no not not there's no pace there. Um, you should you should be able to pass around them uh, quite quite with, if you move the ball quick enough. Um, defensively, this is a game where I wouldn't actually be concerned about Welsh because if you remember when they had Dykes, he actually gave Julian quite a lot of trouble. Julian's a very big six foot five physical defender. Um, you know, you, Welsh is actually a little bit more mobile, and actually the, the the risk here is in the second ball, not the first ball. So you you want someone who's going to be able to get around and, and mop up. That's just probably why Sorrow would be a good good match. In this in this game as well, so um, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. They they have actually played Emmanuel Thomas in their last two matches that they've they've won and drew. Uh, Emmanuel Thomas is the lad who's he's six foot twelve. I don't know what the hell he is. He's enormous. Absolutely, <laughs> he cast a bit of havoc in the last game against Liverpool. He did. I mean, just an absolute disaster of a football player from any sort of technical perspective. But I suppose if you it's like having you know, putting a basketball player up there, if you, you just launch balls at him, mean, some, something's going to happen at some point. Um, I'd be more concerned if they actually repeated their um, performance in the two-two game, where they had, I think, Scott Robinson up front or somebody like that, five, three five-foot-eight forwards across the front line, and played long balls at them all day, and then just basically went up, basically fed off the scraps. Or if the ball went out for a throw-in, it was the long throw into the box, and they just played um, very old-fashioned sort of Wimbledon percentage football. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be more concerned about that approach than if they put the big lad up front, to be honest, because See, he, the, he's completely immobile. Yeah, the thing about these players and it's it's almost their chaotic and erratic nature that makes them so hard to deal with because you don't you don't know what they're going to do because it's unconventional and mm. like that's that's what almost makes this style of football and people always see it as like the old style old british style that's really ineffective but it's a really effective way to play football against a side like celtic yeah, because, and, and, yeah. and when you've got the players on 43 grand a year, you know, it's absolutely why well, would And just again, from as a stat nerd, um, when you're the underdog, chaos and variance is your friend. Yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, this is, was always one of my big criticisms of Lennon, which is he basically introduced unnecessary variance with his decision making as a favorite, you know, against a Ferenc Faros or in qualifying or, you know, over and over again, we'd see it where. Um, we'd introduce one-off game variants. Whereas, I mean, if I'm Livingston, I love variants. Uh, that's exactly what I would. Chaos is their friend. Um, mm. 
And, and again, that's, that's, that's how they, they apply chaos in a smart way, which makes mm. them dangerous. If you can use chaos to your advantage, it's a really effective way to play, play football because the, the likes of the, the set pieces into the box, I mean, you may not get the first header, but the second header might fall to you in the six-yard box if you play it, play it correctly, and they've been doing that quite often this year. So in, in terms of this game, then, 3 o'clock kickoff, obviously Celtic have nothing really to play for at this stage of the season other than a bit of respect for themselves. So what are your predictions, then, Alan? I'll let you go first. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'll go two 0 Celtic. I think they're they're not in great form. I think it's it's a, it's a nice contrast in styles, and that the more that you know Kennedy has Celtic playing that sort of Rogers possession football, that's all about control, and it's about removing variance and letting the better players have the ball more, which should you know further reduce the margins for mistakes. So I'm I'm going to go for a two 0 Celtic. James, do you agree with Alan here? Well, part of the reason I didn't mention it yesterday, but part of the reason why I gave Griffiths my Duffer Award is because I'm so angry that he didn't make my 4-0 uh, prediction an accurate one. Uh, so I'm going to go 4-0 again. Uh, you know, I'm like a degenerate playing uh, roulette. Eventually it's going to hit black. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at some point we're going to have a good shooting day. So I'm, I'm going to predict that it's, it's tomorrow. I'm on the final season of Sopranos and – the last episode, Tony Soprano is obviously, he is a degenerate gambler at this point and he's losing. And then he goes to Vegas and takes peyote and starts winning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I almost feel like uh, that's where we're at with Celtic. It's like, do, 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 do you go with Celtic to win or do you go, you know, just go with something outrageous and hope for the best? I think Celtic will win this game, but the longer it goes on, I would get worried. If they don't score early, then like, yeah, like you said, Livingston don't concede many goals after the 60th minute. And I'd get worried about the way that Celtic would start playing football. But if they if they start like they started against Rangers, then they should run away with this game. So I'll, I'll go with a, a, a cautious 2-0 prediction for this game. That is us done for the Huddle Breakdown slash preview for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you do like these previews and you want to see more of them over the next couple of weeks until the end of the season, just drop us a comment on Twitter or on the YouTube stream as well. Let us know if you'd like if you'd like us to preview the games going forward. You can listen back to any of the podcasts on the Huddle Breakdown on Spotify, Twitter, uh, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. And we will be back again next week with a breakdown of this game. We'll chat to you later.
USA is training hard and ready for the Olympic Games. And so is Jacob. Whoa! I've got my lucky shirt and Xfinity Flex. Oh, yeah. Jacob's family got Xfinity Internet with the best Wi-Fi for their home and a Flex 4K streaming box free, plus Peacock Premium included. So Jacob is ready for anything. Go Team USA! With medal ceremonies, highlights, interviews, and more, plus all his favorite streaming apps in one place. Can your internet do that? Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Peacock subscription required. Xfinity, proud partner of Team USA. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.